And I'm going to read what is written down for us, but the text for us will be the second half of verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I'm to live on this, on in, this in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know what I will choose. But I am hard-pressed between the two, that is living and dying, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet, to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Once again, I believe Philippians 1.21 is the highest point in the Philippians. It is the response of the believers to, let's say, John 3.16. If God has done all that, that He says He has done in His Son, Jesus Christ, then we receive His free grace, the forgiveness of sins, justification and adoption in Christ, how should I live? What should I do? And I believe Philippians 1.21 deserves our attention. I hope and pray that this will be the reality for all of us. And we confess and we own this verse and truth. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We are going to talk about death today. And my aim is not to talk about death in some philosophical sense, some musing on the topic. But it is strange that Christians who believe the truth, the Bible, which from the Genesis to the end, the theme of it is death. Bible really is obsessed with the problem of death. This is book on death. But at the same time, obviously, it's about God who is conquering death in and through His Son, Jesus Christ, pointing to Him. But we don't want to talk about death because it is depressing. It's in our human nature to stay away from death. It is just a big topic, heavy topic, sad and depressing. We have other things to worry about. But here today, I want to talk about death. Examine your hearts. When you hear this, the second half of this verse, to die is gain. How do you relate to that verse? To die is gain? Christians, because we know from the word, that death came into the world because the wages of sin is death. Because of that. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So in Jesus, we are saved. We know that. Then in this world, Christians, we should have a very different outlook. 
a radically different perspective on death. We should. But as I've been saying the past few weeks, do you see that? Do you see, including yourself, Christians, truly, truly live in such a way that death has died, it's death in Jesus' death and resurrection? So I believe the thrust of this passage is not so much about do not fear death. It is about that, but it's more than that. It is if you have settled the problem of death as you should in the gospel, then it should give you a perspective on life and you will live a life in a certain fashion, because you have already settled the problem of death. That is, the evidence that you have overcome the problem of death will be seen in your fearless life. If you look at somebody's life, you should be able to say whether or not that person has settled the problem of one's death. I know it is a depressing topic, difficult topic. For younger people, death really is not tangible. It is like a faraway rumor that there is war somewhere. It may come, but it may not. Right? We have other things to worry about. But life and after life, there is an appointed time for every single person. Sooner or later, all of us, everyone that has breath, will cease breathing and will turn into dust. That's the reality. So let us think about this. Today. Paul says in verse 21, to die is gain. That's the statement. But why? Why do you say that? In what way to die is gain? He explains actually in verse 23. He provides his own commentary on what he has just said in verse 21. What do you mean, Paul? To die is gain. Verse 23 says, Having the desire to depart, that is, desire to die, desire to depart from this world. And he says this, And be with Christ, for that is far better or very much better. So for Paul, to die is gain, because he will gain Christ. To be with Christ, he says. So it is not so much that he will escape from this world that is a gain, but to die is gain for him because he gains what? He gains Christ. It leads to fully realized union with Christ. 
His life last week, his life, he says, it was all about Christ. To live is Christ. And if you live for Christ, then you should be able to say, to die is gain, because by dying, I gain Christ. If you have your Bibles open in chapter 1, or app, I want you to open to that first chapter. I've done this, I don't know, a couple of times in other passages, but I want you to notice something as I point out a few things from this chapter. It's very important that you see this to understand Apostle Paul so that we could also be like him. Listen to verse 1. And notice how many times he says, Christ Jesus in the entire chapter 1. Verse 1, Paul and Timothy, he does not say, I'm a servant, but he says, slaves of Christ Jesus. He does not say, you church people in Philippi, but he says, to all the saints, in Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi. Verse 6. He does not say that's the last day, day of judgment. But he says, until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 8. He does not say, I love you guys, Philippian church. You know me, I know you, I love you. He does not say. Verse 8. I long for you all with the affection what? With the affection of Christ Jesus. Verse 10, until the day of Christ. Verse 11, bear fruit, yes, but fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ. He does not say in verse 13, I am in jail, I'm in prison. He says, so that my chains in Christ Verse 15, 17, and 18, he does not say, well, I'm happy people are preaching good sermons, but he says, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Verse 19, this will turn out for my salvation through your prayers, and he does not simply say, through the Holy Spirit. He says, the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, who will be magnified Christ will even now as always be magnified in my body. Verse 21, For to me, to live is Christ. My life is about Christ. And to die is gain. Verse 23, why is that so? Verse 23, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. Be with Christ. Verse 26, reason, reason for boasting may abound in Christ Jesus in me. Verse 27, only live your lives in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Verse 29, the last one. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Did you, did you see that? What kind of man was he, Paul? He was Christ-filled man. He cannot go on. He's writing this 
every stop, every verse, he's thinking about Christ. He's not doing it only in this passage. You look up. You read Romans. He cannot put a sentence together without referring to Christ. You prick him, he will scream Christ. I mean, it is amazing. I hope you see that. If you see verse 21 in that context, verse 20, 21 is a natural thing for him to say. What is life about? For to me, to live is about Christ. That's what he was saying. From the beginning, it was about Christ. Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, all in all. It's about Christ. It's not a remarkable statement, verse 21. Verse 21 is a natural statement for Paul because he is so filled with Christ. And I believe for you to be able to say, to die is gain, you do not start from there. You do not start on your deathbed. You do not start from the doctor's office that you, say, you hear that you only have a few months to live. Somebody is dying or dead. You begin here and now today, living your life for Christ. Live in Christ in such a way, like Paul, filled with the Spirit of Christ. Everything that he says, everything that he does, he's just preoccupied with Christ. You begin there, then to die is gain, you should be able to say. That's the key. How can I not fear about death? You have to live for Christ. If you don't, then your death will be a loss. You have to let everything go and leave everything behind. So, if you have that, this kind of... But once again, how can you become like him? How can an average Christian who's sitting in a church once a, once a week on Sunday, how can you become like him? How can I become like him? I want you to think about that. There's no easy fix, but I want you to think about that. But let me come back to this. There's an interesting verse in Hebrews 2.15. It says, Free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You know, you know that verse. I understand that verse in this fashion. If you do not have this Paul-like life, then in losing something in your life, you fear ultimately death. If you lose your job, you don't have income. Let's say that without income, you will really die. So ultimately, it leads back to death problem. If if we don't die, if we live hundreds of years, thousands of years, none of these matters. Wars, famine, disease. I mean, if we're not going to die, it doesn't matter. But ultimately, ultimately, and I believe it will be the case as you grow older, if you are preoccupied with the, with the fear of death, 
then all of your lives you'll be subjected under that master, death, and you do what that they tell you to do. But if you are freed from that slavery of fearing death, and if you are able to say to die is gain, then you have a certain perspective on life, like I said in the beginning. And you could find that in Philippians again. Philippians chapter 3, to die is gain. If you have that perspective, what does it say? Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but as rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. To die is gain. So for him, for Paul, all of the accomplishments that he, he was able to accomplish in his life, he looks back at his life and he says everything is lost. Obviously, this does not mean you shouldn't try anything in your life. You shouldn't do your best. That's not the meaning of it. By the grace of God, in whatever gifts God has given you, you try to excel in it. Whatever it is. Show mercy, grace, provide for your family, the church. It is very, very important. But at the same time, we must hold our lives loosely. Usually it's the case. If you have accomplished a lot, people have a hard time letting it go. You're so proud. But again, I think the right perspective for Christians is because I am in Christ, because I am saved, because I am really free from the death problem, I look at my life, I try my best, but at the same time, I know when to let it go. Because that's not, that's not the point of my life. For to me, to live is Christ. If you don't, what happens if you do not, let's say, get into the school that you want to get in? If you do not get the promotion? All of those things were crush your spirit. So as we are already free in Christ, as we are already free from the fear of death, we are no longer subjected by that slavery. So we need to learn something of what Paul is saying. To count everything as loss and then you will be found in him. In verse 23, he says, I'm hard-pressed between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. At first glance, I didn't really pay much attention to it, to be with Christ. It sounded like some music, love song. Paul, probably, he's been missing Jesus. So when he sees Jesus, to be with Jesus, he'll be very happy. So be with Christ. That's far better. And I thought, okay, yeah, that's Paul. 
to be with Christ. But as I've been thinking about this verse, I think there is more to it than some sentimental, oh, I missed you, Jesus. To be with Christ is the purpose of heaven, according to Paul. Like we looked at, we don't normally talk like this, act like him. We don't say, when I die, I'll be with Christ. Most of the time we say, when we die, we go to heaven. But for Paul, to go to heaven really doesn't make any sense if Christ is not the center. So to be with Christ is the purpose of heaven. So when he says it's far better to be with Christ, he is saying more than I missed Christ in this fashion. What is he talking To be with Christ, what is that? I think, really, deep inside, he's talking about what we normally talk about as glorification. What is heaven? Tell me things that you know about heaven. Can you give me at least 10 things about heaven? I remember one time, a revival speaker saying something like this. You know, in heaven... The wall is jasper. It is golden pavement, pure gold. It is precious stone. Twelve gates are twelve pearls. Wouldn't you be, want to be in that heaven? And I remember thinking, I mean, I don't need that because I'm dead. I don't need gold pavement. What am I going to do in heaven? So you don't want to take that literally. What is heaven? Is that the place simply that you meet your old family members? People, people jokingly say, you know, as long as I have golfing club, golf, I'm fine. But for Paul, heaven really is about Christ and it is the place to be with Christ. That's the purpose of heaven. But I believe deep inside he is thinking more than, oh, I am next to Jesus. In Mark's, to be with Christ, in Mark's, the end of your sinful state. You are in a state of glory that we normally talk about as glorified state or glorification. So I thought to myself, What do I know about glorification? Justification, sanctification, glorification. So, sometime this week, I pulled out all of my books. Where do you find something like glorification? In the systematic theology. So I brought about six to seven, all of the books that I have, and I opened it up. To find glorification. Out of, I don't know, six to seven that I've read, only a couple will talk about glorification. Glorification is not really discussed. Why? Because in the order of salvation, like justification, sanctification, they usually end with the perseverance of the saints. 
And they put the glorification all the way at the end, what is known as eschatology. Because you have to talk about millennial kingdom, you have to talk about physical resurrection, restoration, new heavens and new earth, and you put glorification all the way at the end, and most of the times, they don't even talk about it. So let me give you some of the quotations from some theologians. To be with Christ means this. Barkov says, that the righteous enter upon their eternal joy. So to be with Christ is more than I'm next to you. Finally, I get to see your face. But it is a state, the righteous us, enter upon their eternal joy. What about Voss? He says, the enjoyment of heaven in fellowship with God is eternal life in all its fullness. That's the fullness of our eternal life. MacArthur says, glorification is the climax of redemption. Glorification is the consummation of sanctification. So if you are a holy Christian, you long for that. No more struggle with the sin. You look forward to that day of victory. John Calvin, what does he say? What's glorification? Calvin will say in this way. Lord will give himself to be enjoyed by them. Nice way to put it. It is Christ giving himself to Christians so that they could enjoy him. Gaffin says, glorification is the realization of the predestined goal, conformity to the image of Christ. That is the day that you will be fully conformed to the image of Christ in holiness and righteousness. John Murray says, it is the final phase of the application of redemption. Thomas Boston says, it is the time that you truly inherit the kingdom. This morning I was at Franklin Square and I was talking to Tom Warnock there and I wrote it down after the conversation because he, we were talking about the sermon and he says, in heaven, his glory will be my glory. I thought that was a wonderful way of putting it. His perfect glory of Christ will be my glory. For Paul, that's the day like this. I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. So, when Paul says in verse 23, I could be with Christ. It is all of that. It is the day of victory. It is the day that we finish the race. No more groaning. It is the completion of that salvation that began before the foundation of the world. That's the consummation. Technically speaking, we distinguish between the intermediate state and the fully glorified state which involves physical resurrection of the body and new heavens and new earth at the end. But I don't want to separate them. 
Paul does not say, you know, I get to be heaven, but I have to wait for the body, so, you know, I'm very disappointed. In St. Philippians, he will talk about the resurrection of body. So he's looking at the whole future from this perspective. But my question is this. You and I will not be able to say to die is gain unless we have these perspectives on, on our death, what that means. To be with Christ, what does that mean? All of these that I've talked about. And I thought to myself, probably the reason why that so many of us struggle with the concept to win the love for the world is because we do not know much about heaven, what is awaiting for us in heaven, the appetite for that glorified state. But for Paul, simply he says, to be with Christ, for that is very much better. Last one is, if that's the case, in the process of our dying, we must bear good witness to Christ for His glory. That's the time you preach the gospel by showing how you respond to death and by your hope and joy for the prospect of this being with Christ that you preach Christ in your death, by your death. These are the last words for Paul, of Paul. In 2 Timothy 4, he says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. To the last minute, he is occupied with the glory. To him be the glory forever and ever. For us, that should be the case from this moment till that appointed time. And that time really is not time to fear. But according to Paul, it is a time that we get to be with Christ, our Savior and Lord. And let me just remind you, how could I be like that? How can you be like that? I know you have that desire if you are a Christian. You understand what I am saying. You understand what these chapters, these verses are saying. The question is, how can you be like Paul? Spirit-filled, Christ-saturated person. That, as you should, you are living your life fully for Christ. And if you do that, the last moments in your life will be to die's gain. You should be able to say. But how can you be like that is the question. I don't have an answer. But when I look back my life, for Christ to be the all-consuming vision and reality for you, for that to happen in some degree. Your mind should be filled with the, obviously, with the Word of God. 
But I would say for me, as I've been reading about these through help of some, some books, that really is the starting point. It's not start serving the church. Then you will find joy. Well, yes, that's true. You have to do everything. Worship, serving, giving, teaching, whatever gifts God has given you, have to, you have to do that and there's a joy. Missions and evangelism, all of that. But I think the beginning point is that. You have to see the beauty of Christ somewhere. Preaching is important. Listening to conference messages, all of that is important. But really, truly, it begins with reading. The Word and other books. Last week, I, I mentioned about that book, Voss's Sermon. It really kind of changed me. The way I look at my life, the way I look at my reading, studying, meditating, preaching, all of that. Reconfiguration. Really. And as you put yourself in that kind of places, then you would begin to, to understand what Paul is saying. Also pray. Also pray to God. God, I want to live my life in this way. Could you help me? And God will, in His goodness and mercy, will lead you. So let us live our lives fully for Christ here and now, so that we may gain Christ fully and to enjoy him forever let's pray